You're listening to The Power to Change, a sermon series about five words that have the power to change our lives. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. Look at the person sitting next to you and say thank you. Tell them thank you. But there's really no need to tell them to, for them to tell you how good you look today, right? Tell them, you know, you look good, all right? Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. We're in a series that we have titled The Power to Change. The Power to Change. See, it is the beginning of a new year. It's actually February. Can you guys believe it's already February? Uh, one month has come and one month has gone, but it really is. It's still the beginning of the new year. And a lot of people take the new year to kind of jumpstart, to kind of change that they'd like to see in their life. They make New Year's resolutions. They just uh, commit to doing certain things. But what we're talking about during this series is we're talking about certain words, certain words that no matter what time of year you hear them or no matter what season of your life you hear them, we're talking about certain words that really do have the power to change everything about our life. And the word that I want to talk to you guys about today is the word serve. Everybody say serve. You got to do better than that. Super Bowl Sunday, everybody say serve. Good job. I like that. So here's the deal. One of the problems with the English language is that our words seem to change in their meaning uh, as time goes on. Uh, Some of the words that have changed in their meaning over time, one of the words specifically is the word shade. Like if it's hot outside, what do you look for? You you look for the shade, right? Uh, So that you can go stand in the shade and you can cool off. But that word shade uh, has also changed in its meaning over the years. Shade can also mean talking disrespectful about someone. Shade can also mean, you know, kind of kind of cutting somebody down, talking noise. You know what I mean? If somebody's talking bad about you, they're they're throwing shade, you know? And so next time somebody's talking bad about you, just go up to and say, well, what's up with that? Why are you throwing some shade at me? You know what I mean? They'd be like, oh yeah, I'm sorry, dog. Uh, but that's a word, again, that has changed its meaning over uh, the years. Another word that has changed its meaning over the years is the word ghost. Ghost. Like most people, when they hear that song, they hear that word ghost, what do they think of? They think of some kind of spirit, something that's there to haunt you. Uh, but ghost now uh, is also a term that people use when they're trying to avoid someone who annoys them, right? Uh, like used in a sentence, you would say, man, I'm going to have to ghost that person until they get the point. You know what I mean? You try to hide from them. You just want them to pay attention to you. So our words, again, in the English language, they change their meaning over the years. And so that word serve That word serve has also changed its meaning over the years. Back in 2004, there was a movie that came out that was titled, You Got Served. Anybody remember that movie back in the day? Just one, two, three, four of us. Okay, if you don't know that movie, uh, what that movie was about, it was about these dance crews, okay? These dance crews, they would get together and they would meet up with other dance crews and they would like have dance battles, you know what I mean, in these in these warehouses. And so uh, what would happen is one of the crews would be like, I'm about to bring it. And then so they would do their dance. Y'all know that Macarena? They probably didn't do that. But anyway, they would do these dance, they would do these dances, and then, you know, if they danced better than the other, than the other team, the other dance crew, they'd be like, you just got served. And by no just a couple people, I'm trying to help y'all, you know what I mean? That's what they say. You got served. Well, well, I want you to see something that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 20. Jesus, he's hanging out with his boys, he's hanging out with his disciples, he's hanging out with his crew. And look at what he says, or look at what the Bible says starting in verse 25. It says this. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and that their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. 
Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus says, you know what? I didn't come to to be served. I came to serve. And so what is Jesus actually saying there? Is Jesus telling his disciples that, man, when they hit the streets, they need to be ready to win all these dance battles? You know what I'm saying? Is he he telling his disciples, look, y'all better bring it when you get out there? What is he actually saying? Well, so Jesus is going to go on to tell his disciples really what it means to serve. And he's going to talk about the fact that he's about to forfeit his rights. He's about to forfeit his rights. Jesus is very literally going to lay down his life for his disciples and for his followers. And so later on, Jesus and his disciples, they're getting ready to celebrate the Passover. Jesus knows that his time has come. His time has come for him to actually give his life as a ransom for many. And so he gathers all of his disciples together to celebrate the Passover. And he does something very interesting. I want you to see this in John chapter 13. In John chapter 13, starting in verse 3, the words will be on the screen for you. Here's what the Bible says. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Again, Jesus knew the time for him to give his life was now. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin. Now, let me stop because uh, if you're one of the disciples here, if you're seeing this take place, uh, you, you had to have thought that this was an odd scene. See, today is Super Bowl Sunday. Today really is Super Bowl Sunday. Many people are going to be tuned in watching the big game. Many people are going to be gathered at other people's houses watching the game. Many people are going to be there cheering for the Eagles. Am I right? They're going to be cheering for the Eagles. I actually found a picture of who America is pulling for in this year's Super Bowl. I think we've got a picture right here we're going to show you guys. Maybe it'll be on the screen. Yeah, if you see that, uh, that's America. And so the green is who's pulling for the Eagles and the red is who's pulling for the Patriots. We don't really know who those people are in Texas that are pulling for the Patriots. But anyway, uh, and so here's the deal. You know, everyone's going to be at this, this, this game. People are going to be there. If you're watching the game, if you are at someone's house, and let's just hypothetically say that one of the people there at, this ho- at your house or at, at the house you're at, they stand up, and they don't say anything, but they just roll up their sleeves. They take off their jacket, roll up their sleeves, and then they grab a pitcher of water and a bowl, and without saying anything, they just start pouring it in a bowl. What are you going to be thinking? You're going to be like thinking, man, what is this, what's this guy about to do? What is this, what's he about to do? And so that's exactly what happens right here. Jesus stands up from the meal. He grabs, he, he, he takes off his outer clothing. He grabs a pitcher and he grabs a, a bowl of water and he begins to pour. And I can, I can picture the disciples. I mean, they're sitting here sharing stories. You know what I mean? About how their day has gone. They are, they are sharing stories, uh, maybe having a laugh. And Jesus stands up and they're going, man, what in the world is he about to do? And then it gets even weirder because he, he kneels down and begins to wash their feet. Look at verse 5. That verse goes on to say, And he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Now, you might not be like me, but I kind of got a foot phobia. Anybody else, you got a foot phobia? You know, I know some people are like, I really ain't trying to touch nobody's feet, okay? And some people are like, it's just a foot, but you don't really believe that. You don't. Like the next time somebody introduces themselves to you, if instead of shaking your hand, they take off their shoe and they take off their sock and they're like, here, shake my toe, you're going to be like, I ain't doing that. 
right? Why? But they're just feet. No, they're not. They're gross, okay? Feet are gross. Feet are gross. But Jesus here, he's washing the feet of his disciples. And this was before they had socks and Reeboks. You know what I mean? This is a time when men really, well, people really went barefoot or they wore sandals. This is when they, the, their feet would be all nasty and crusty and smelly. And so can you imagine? These are men's feet. And Jesus is down on his knees, and he's washing their feet. And as he's doing it, he's not going, he's, he's not grossed out by the task. He's not, he's not grossed out or repulsed. Why? Because, again, he came to serve, not to be served. And he knows his time has come. He knows his time has come. It's really, again, it's literally time for him to give his life. So he's trying to illustrate something very important to the people who are going to follow him. And so he washes their feet. And when he's done, look at what he says, starting in verse 12. The Bible says this, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And he says, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Jesus says, I have served you. You should serve each other. Jesus says, just as I have served, you should serve other people. He says, I've set an example for you in verse 15. I've set an example for you that you should do as I have done. Do, do, do what I've done. That's what Jesus basically says, serve. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. So don't miss this either. Jesus is basically saying that you and I are not better than he is. That's what he's saying. We're not better than he is. And so if you think that you're too good to serve, you, you are sadly mistaken. If you think you are too busy to serve, then you really need to reevaluate your life because Jesus is God. You, you think God is ever busy? You think God's got a lot of stuff to do? God is the author of life, the sustainer of life. He is everywhere with all people, helping all people. I think God gets busy. Jesus was busy, but you know what? Jesus still did what he had to do, and what he had to do was he came to serve. He came to serve, and so that's exactly what you and I need to do. We need to serve, and I know you're busy, and I know that we all get bogged down from time to time, but just as Jesus came to serve, that's why you and I are here. How do I know? How do I know that? Because Jesus said, no servant is greater than his master. Jesus said, no servant is greater than his master. And, 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 and what about this? How many of y'all would just say, you know what, you know, life is hard. If you don't know that, you were born last night, okay? So life, <laughs> life is hard. You will, you will learn. Life really is hard. And how many of y'all would just say, hey, you want to be blessed in life? How many of y'all need a blessing? You just want to be blessed? Some of y'all, one, two, three, come on now. If we had a table set up in the foyer today, said, hey, you want to be blessed? Come sign up here. Or you want to be cursed? Come sign up here. How many of y'all be going to sign up for the cursed life? I didn't think so. Even if that line is shorter, you're going to the blessed life, man. I'm signing up over there. You know what I mean? Well, honey, we could just go sign up for the cursed life and get out of here early. No, you don't want that. You want to be blessed. And so look at verse 17. It says this. Jesus says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. 
Jesus says you will be blessed if you and I understand that we are not greater than he is. You'll be blessed if you and I follow the example that he set. He says that you and I will be blessed if you and I serve. And he says you will be blessed. Not that you might be blessed or that you'll probably be blessed. He says you will be blessed. So how? How does serving bless us? How does serving change us? Well, that's what I want to show you today. I want to point out three things that serving serving does for us, three ways that serving actually changes us. If you want to write them down, uh, keep a note. So the first thing is this, serving changes us. Serving helps us because it increases our faith. Serving helps increase our faith. How many of you like going to concerts? Anybody here? Not me. I hate concerts. Anybody like going to concerts? You know, uh, at halftime uh, today, Justin Timberlake, he's going to be performing. How many of y'all are wanting NSYNC to show up and sing bye, bye, bye? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm kind of hoping. You know what I mean? But he's going to be performing. But usually at a concert, do people want to be on the front row or do they want to be in the nosebleed? They want to be on the front row. Why? Because they want to experience what's going on. They don't want many distractions between them and really what's happening. That's that's how they, they want it to be. Well, if you want a front row seat to see what God is doing, if you want a front row seat to see God change lives, if you want a front row seat to see the miraculous, you have to serve. You have to serve. Because through serving, we experience God's power firsthand. That's what happens. I'll prove it to you. John chapter 2, Jesus uh, was just starting his ministry, and Jesus is at a wedding. Now, weddings have changed over the years. You go to a wedding nowadays, and you might be at the church for 15, 20 minutes, and then after that, you go and you have a reception where you stay gone for a couple of hours, right? Uh, Well, so Jesus is at this wedding, and the weddings back in Jesus' day, they could last like seven days, Seven days, seven days. They lasted a long time. They were big deals. And so when I picture this wedding that Jesus is at, man, I can picture, you know, DJ Sandal up on the microphone going, party people. And I can see DJ Camel maybe spinning some music. I mean, the party, it's crazy, man. You know what I mean? The music is loud. They're having a good time. And guess what happens? Guess what happens? Starting in verse 2. Check this out. The Bible says this, verse 1. It says, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus' disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, you see that when the wine was gone? So there's this big celebration, and guess what? The celebration is about to be over because they're about to be out of wine. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. And look at verse 4. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. Now, times have changed because if I'd have talked to my mama like that, my mama would have bust me. Uh, But Jesus says, woman, why do you involve me? And he's not being disrespectful. Jesus knows who he is. Mary knows who Jesus is. She knows that Jesus is the son of God. So Mary doesn't even respond to Jesus. Look at what she does in verse 5. His mother said to the servants, everybody say servants. Say it louder. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Servants. That's right. He said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. Now let me stop. Because if you're one of these servants right here, if this was you, uh, how would you respond to what Jesus is saying? 
You'd be like, Jesus, just how gone do you think these people are that they're going to think water is wine? Anybody, you know what I mean? That's what I would be thinking. Man, Jesus, you crazy, man. They're going to know something's going on. That's what I'd be thinking. So look at the Bible. It says, so they did so. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine, and he did not realize where it came from. Though the servants, everybody say servants. The servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first. And then when the cheaper wine, after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. Again, picture this. You're one of the servants at a wedding. What is your job? Your job is to serve, right? And if you don't do a good job, it's not like you're not going to get a tip. If, if you don't do a good job, who, who, you could actually be punished, right? By the master. So I can't help but think that some of the servants who filled these jars up with water, you know what I mean? I can't help but think they were a little scared. You know what I mean? When they went to, when they went to pour the water from these jars into people's cups, you know what I mean? I can't help but think that they were going, and they would pour them, they would pour, and then, and then the people would take a drink. Mmm! What? They, they, what is this? What this stuff is good. And then they start looking at each other, going, man, they really are gone. Because that's just water. That's what they're thinking, right? That's what they're thinking. That's what they're thinking. But then they're like, man, give me some more. This stuff is so good. And then what the servants do is they look in those jars where ordinary water was at one time. And they see this water has now been turned to wine. I can't help but think that did something to their faith. I can't help but think that they look back at Jesus and were like, Wow, wow, the servants actually witnessed the miracle. Yes, the wedding guests, they, they, they received the benefit of the new wine, but the guests never knew what had happened. They didn't know what would ha had it happened. It was the servers who actually had the first opportunity to witness Jesus' power. They saw Jesus take something ordinary and turn it into something extraordinary. Verse 11 says, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. The disciples believed in him. Serving increased their faith. The same is true for you. The same is true for me. You want to experience God's power firsthand? Serve. You want to experience the miraculous? Serve. Get involved and watch how God uses you. You say, you say, Robert, there's nothing special about me. I'm just ordinary, man. Praise God, man. He specializes in taking ordinary things and doing extraordinary things with them. And you're not just ordinary. You are created in the image and likeness of God. God wants you to surrender to him, to give what you have to him, and he will use it to do unbelievable things. Things, I'm telling you, serving helps increase your faith. The next thing that I want you to see this morning is this serving connects us to our purpose. Serving helps connect you to your purpose. See, I believe with all of my heart that each and every one of us, we want our life to matter. We do. Sadie Kate, my seven-year-old, uh, if you know her, uh, you know that she is hilarious, okay? You never know what's going to come out of that girl's mouth. So, uh, so she's just like me. Uh, but you never know what she's going to say. You never know what she's going to say. And uh, she's so tiny, though, man. She's like a little bird. And so 
uh, there are times where she really wants to help me do stuff. And I remember last year at our house, we had a problem with carpenter bees. Anybody know what carpenter bees are? So these carpenter bees, what they were doing were they were drilling into the post at our house. We'd walk out and there'd be all kinds of you know, sawdust basically everywhere. And so they were drilling into the post. They were also drilling into the wood frames around the windows. And so I said, man, something's got to be done. So I got on the old interweb and I found me a pattern. I found me a pattern to build a carpenter bee trap. And so I start building this carpenter bee trap and Sadie Kate comes out and she decides she wants to help me. Okay. Well, so I'm using a saw, I'm using a drill, I'm using a hammer. And again, my little girl is pretty small, okay? She's tiny. And so anyway, uh, I build the carpenter bee trap, and, you know, after I'm done with it, she runs into Amanda, and she's like, Mama, look what, look what I built. Look what I built. And I'm going, you ain't built that thing, girl. I built that thing because I was proud of it, you know? And so, but, so Amanda's like, wow, that's so amazing, Sadie. You did such a good job. What did your daddy do? And what else giving a beat, Sadie was like, he just watched me. I'm like... I did that. I did that. But she was proud. Why? Because I think, again, deep down within each and every one of us is this desire that our lives make a difference and that our life should matter. That's why people seek promotions, and that's why people seek leadership positions, because we want to make a difference. We encourage our kids to go to school, to go to college, to get a job that makes a lot of money in hopes that they too will make a difference. Well, there's nothing wrong with wealth and influence, but those things alone aren't what changes the world. It's not. Those things alone aren't what you and I were made for. They're not. See, in the book of Ephesians, we we can read about God's desire for each and every one of us. I want you to see it starting in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. Here's what the Bible says. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So Christ is the head of what? He's the head of the church. He's the head of the body. And so it says this in verse 16. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Christ makes the whole body fit together. How? Perfectly. Everybody say perfectly. perfectly. Come on, man. Super Bowl Sunday. Perfectly. That's a little better. Watch this. Christ makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Now, let me stop because I want you to see two things pretty quick. First thing you've got to see is that you have a work to do. I have a work to do. We all have a work to do. To do. How many of you have ever had a broken bone in your body? Anybody? Anybody? I've had a couple broken bones in my body. Uh, I remember one time I broke, I broke my finger playing soccer. And I know what some of y'all are thinking. You're not supposed to use your hands when you're playing soccer. I was a goalkeeper, okay? Keep us say no. Oh, uh, that's who I was. So I, I broke my finger playing soccer, and it was amazing to me how just breaking your finger really can alter your life and change your life. You know, they put this, they, they, taped it to another finger to keep it straight, and then they put this big old metal thing, you know, I don't know, brace, that's what you call it, I'm smart, anyway, a brace over there, and then they tape it together. Well, see, I went to school back in the 1900s, okay? I went to school back in the time we didn't have laptops, we didn't have computers, you actually had to use a pencil, you know? And so, can man, you know how dif difficult it was to learn how to write holding a pencil with your pinky and your thumb? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just me? 
Man, it was even hard to scratch your nose. You about kill yourself poking out your eye. You know what I mean? And so it really alters your life. Just when one part of your body doesn't operate the way that it's supposed to. If you've ever been on crutches, you know that. Your arms, what do they have to do? They've got to pick up the slack, right? Because you can't walk on your leg. Again, when one part of the body doesn't work, it affects the whole thing. And just how our physical body is affected when one part stops working, the same is true for the church body. If you and I don't serve, if we don't function within the church, we might not think it's a very big deal, but it is because it affects the whole church body. You say, well, no big deal, Robert. The church seems to be doing fine without me. But no, it is a very, 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 very big deal. Why? Because the church is the body of Christ. If you don't connect with your purpose and serve, I'm telling you, you've got to get connected. If you don't connect, you're actually causing the body of Christ to suffer. You're actually causing the church to limp around. You know, when I think about Jesus' sacrifice for me on the cross, it breaks my heart. It does. When I think about the fact that he had a crown of thorns just beat into his head, and when I think about the fact that he was whipped with a cat and nine tail, when I think about the fact that as he carried his cross, soldiers mocked him, people spit on him. As I think about all that, man, it breaks my heart. But you know what else breaks my heart about that whole thing? Is that there were a lot of people who just stood there. Yeah, there were people who got on board and threw rocks probably and spit and hit him. But there were some people who just stood there. Just stood there and watched. I think if I was there, would I have tried to step in and say, stop? If I was there, would I have tried to help Jesus walk? Would I have, to, would I have had the, the guts to stand up and help? Why didn't they help? But unfortunately, the same could be asked of us today when we don't serve in the church. Why do we just sit by and watch? I've been in church for over 18. I've been in ministry now for over 18 years, and I've heard people say, oh, the church needs to do that better. The church needs to do that. Well, instead of just watching the church limp along, instead of watching Jesus suffer, do something. Do something. I'm telling you, each and every one of us has been uniquely gifted to do something in the local church. And if you don't make your contribution, it will not be made. Something God has, God has something for you to do that will make the church truly be what he envisioned it to be when he died on Calvary's cross. Don't just sit there. Christ wants his body to fit together perfectly. And it happens as each person does their work. But it's not just regular work. The Bible describes it as special work, special work. See, listen to me. It doesn't matter if you're leading worship from the stage. It doesn't matter if you're serving on the security team or if you're just making coffee or picking up trash or serving in the nursery. Every work is special. Look at verse 16. It says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Doing your part, serving, I'm telling you, it makes the body of Christ 
healthy, and it helps the body of Christ to grow. I'm telling you, serving in church, that's what connects you to your purpose. Serving enables you to build up the body of Christ. So serving helps increase your faith. Serving helps connect you to your purpose. And the last thing that I want to point out to you this morning about serving is this. Serving proves you love God. Serving proves that you love God. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. You can serve without loving God. It's true. There are all sorts of organizations all over the world that serve and help people, and they leave God out of it all, right? So you can serve and not love God, but here's the deal. You can't love God and not serve. You can't love God and not serve. Why? Because saved people serve people. Saved people serve people so that served people can become saved people. Saved people serve people so that served people can become saved people. See, Jesus says, you know what? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll do as I did. You will follow the example that I set. And one time, an expert in the law, they came up to Jesus to test Jesus. This was an individual who knew the scriptures forward and backward and backward and forward. And he comes up to Jesus to test him. And you can read all about it in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. The Bible says this, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Important question. Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must, everybody say must, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. Jesus was like, good answer, ding, 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 you got it right. Well, the man wanted to know who his neighbor was. So Jesus shares this story in response, and I'm wrapping up, it's in verse 30. Jesus says a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. And if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these, Jesus asked, do you think was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus says this, yes, now go and do the same. And here's what I want you to see. Three people, three people had the chance to set an unbelievable example of love to this man who desperately needed it. Three people have an opportunity to serve this man who desperately needed to be served. Three people had an opportunity to do something, but only the Samaritan, only the Samaritan actually did anything. Why didn't the priest? Why didn't the 
temple assistant. These were individuals who were supposed to believe in God. These are individuals who are supposed to love God. These are individuals who should know the scriptures. Why didn't they serve? Maybe it's because they were too busy. Maybe it was because they didn't want to be inconvenienced. Or maybe it was because their devotion to God was just a show. Just a show. Again, these were people who claim to love God, but when they actually have an opportunity to prove it, they walk by. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. See, folks, listen to me. The way that you and I serve our invisible God is by serving visible people. The way that you and I love our invisible God is by loving visible people. So do you love God today? If so, prove it. Don't be selfish. Don't just sit there. Consider others as more important than yourself and get involved. Serve. Connect with your purpose. It will change everything about you. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk, but I know from time to time that we all think, you know what, there's no way God could use me. Man, I got so many problems. There's no way God would even want, want, to, want me to be near him. A lot of times because of what we've done in the past or maybe because of what was done to us, we just think that we're not, we're not worthy of love. But I'm telling you today that Jesus looks at you and he loves you. Jesus looks at you and he says, you know what? I want to use you to do unbelievable things. Jesus looks at you and he says, he's got great plans for you. But the first step, the first step in that plan requires that you and I surrender to him, that you and I be saved. And so if you're here today and you know that you need to surrender to him. If you're here today and you know that you need to be saved, I'm gonna ask it right where you are that you pray this prayer. Father, forgive me for all of my sins. Save me from my sin. Today, Father, I confess you as Lord. I confess you as Savior. And I ask that from this day forward that I would be a new person, that I would be the person that you want me to be. Fill me with your Holy Spirit right now, I pray. Look, as we continue to pray, everybody's heads bow. But if you prayed that prayer today to be saved, I'm gonna ask it right where you are that you just raise your hand because I just wanna know that God's moving, God's drawing people to himself. But today you prayed to receive Christ, amen. Pray to be saved. Father, I just thank you for saving me. Father, I thank you for saving us. And Father, I'm glad that you want our lives to matter. You want our lives to make a difference. That's why you've gifted us. 
each and every one of us, we have something ordinary that you want to do extraordinary things with. And so I pray today that we would seek to discover that gift and that we would serve you with our whole heart. Thank you for today. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.